Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, first of all, for being here today. I know it is typically a week and a weekend where a lot of folks try and get their last mad dash of the summer and get away. And so I'm thankful that uh, all of you are here today. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to continue in Hebrews chapter 11, but uh, I just want to say um, it's good to see, Robert, it's good to see you out here uh, sitting up straight. I think you grew a few inches. Maybe that was the back surgery. Uh, anyway, it's good to see you as you recover. And then Susan over here, just a modern miracle, walks around as if she didn't even have a knee replacement. And so uh, it's good to see her and so many of you. Listen, continue to keep one another in prayer. Uh, those that are recovering from surgeries and those that will be having surgeries, uh, we certainly uh, think of uh, Brother Barry as he'll be having his surgery on Tuesday morning. And so we want to continue to pray for he and Miss Dina during this time. But it is good to be in the Lord's house. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue. If you look with me, we're going to continue uh, in our study. Faith for today. We don't need, we, it's great to have faith yesterday. And we can talk about having faith tomorrow, but we need faith for today. Amen? And so let's look here. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse number 1. And then I'm going to ask you to drop down and look with me at verse number 4 this morning. In the precious word of God, verse number 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then if you drop down to verse number four, notice the Bible continues by saying, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing about your goodness and your greatness. And Lord, I pray now that I will step backward and you will step forward through me. And that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, because you are my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I pray that your word would fall upon the good soil of our hearts. And certainly, Lord, I pray... Uh, that you would draw back the one who may have strayed. But Lord, I pray also for the person who may be here, may be watching, who has never trusted Christ as their Savior. Lord, that they today might understand from the preaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that they might realize their need and come to faith in Christ. Lord, I give you the praise in advance of all that you'll do, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week uh, we began our series by looking at what faith is. Remember, we were talking about what faith is and then what faith does. And from Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 36, we were reminded that as believers, we all have need of this thing called patience. But remember, I shared with you last week that in the Greek, this word patience literally means, <laughs> it actually means cheerful Endurance, Not just endurance, but it means cheerful endurance. And so remember, the writer of Hebrews is writing to persecuted Christians of his time. And he's saying, hey, listen, I get it. You need endurance. And then a couple verses later, he tells them that how they can have endurance in Hebrews 10, 38 is by living in faith or living by faith. And again, if you look at verse number one, as we read this morning, it begins with the definition as we talked about what is faith. 
It begins with the definition in verse number one. It says, here it says, now faith is. So what is faith? It says it is the substance. And we looked at that last week. That means assurance. It's the, the assurance or confidence. Here's what faith is. It's the assurance or confidence of things hoped for. So how can you and I be sure of things that you and I uh, understand that do, do not currently exist? It's the substance. Notice it's the substance of things hoped for. So right now you and I don't have redeemed bodies. We're not uh, part of the spotless church, are we? We're not a part of the spotless church just yet. And uh, there is no heaven and there is no new earth just yet. We're still living in this earth. And man, we got a lot of problems, don't we? But you know what? Jesus is the solution. Oh, three of you thought that. Jesus is the solution. Man, can I, can I, just sidebar, time out. I hope you're not placing your faith and trust and confidence in this world. I hope you're not placing it, I hope you're not placing it in some politician. Can, can I just be real? I hope you're not, I hope you're not placing your faith and trust and confidence in the school boards. We better place our faith in Jesus. Look, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So the answer is that things like this that are not seen or not currently existing are things that God has promised. And as we learned last week, faith actually trusts what God has promised. So listen, I by faith trust that one day you will see me no more in this life. But if you are in faith in Christ, you'll see me forevermore, right? You may not recognize me, with all these good looks and these fine linens that I wear. I joke, of course. I have a face for radio. <laughs> That's why I was so against going live streaming. Like, it's like, hey, can we just do the audio? And they're like, no, 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 we need to go live on audio. I was like, okay, all right. Look here also, Hebrews chapter 11, it actually concludes by talking about faith as well, giving this a definition. It concludes by saying that faith is the evidence. That word evidence means the conviction. Do you have conviction about your faith? It says it's the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So how can we be convinced of things that we cannot see? You cannot see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, but I have faith that that's exactly what he's doing. You cannot see uh, right now that one day we have a living hope and one day we will inherit a glorious inheritance that we don't deserve, but we'll inherit it. That's by faith. Those things happen by faith. Our creator is in ultimate control. And the answer is that these are the things that God has revealed in his word. And so faith believes what God has revealed and faith actually trusts what he has promised. So if God says it, to coin the old phrase from years ago and pastors uh, gone by, if God says it, that what? Settles it. That's what faith is. It's a substance or the assurance of things hoped for. And the evidence or the conviction, the conviction of things not seen. Therefore, we know that faith is framed, it's formed, and it's fed by the word of God. That's why Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Which is great news because I ended last week in our kind of our wrap-up, our takeaways, our application, if you please. I wrapped up by saying that God has given the same revelation and the same promises to everyone. Isn't that good news? He didn't give Bill one revelation and one promise and give Greg a different revelation or a different promise. The same revelation, the same promise goes out to everyone for whosoever shall be saved. The whosoever's of the world who call upon the name of the Lord. And we were reminded at the end of last week that from John 20 and verse number 31 that John said these things, these things that Jesus did. He's talking about all that Jesus did. He said these things. He said they're written that you might believe. He said the reason that God through His Spirit has told me to write this down, to communicate this, to reveal this to you. The reason that he's done this, the reason that they're in this gospel is so that you can believe that Jesus is what he said is the Christ, the Son of God. And notice what he said, and believing you might have life. Oh, listen, you might have life 
through his name. And so that's what faith is. As Hebrews 11.1 1 says, it's the substance or assurance of things hoped for and the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Now, the rest of the chapter begins to point out what faith does. It describes, if you please, what it looks like to live by faith. Not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow and on and on. So what does it look like? For you and I to live by faith today in 2023. And so the answer is found right here in Hebrews chapter 11. It gives us examples and real life illustrations of people who were clothed in flesh just like us. And they actually are reminding us, they're recorded here in this chapter as a reminder, as a revelation to you and I of how you and I can live out our faith. And notice in verse number 4 again. Watch it because you see faith all over this verse. It says in verse 4, by faith, Abel. Watch it, by faith. What, he, he had to have faith before he offers to God. It says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which, that's talking about his faith, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. How was he declared righteous? By his faith. Watch what it says. It says, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, his faith in the gift that he offered to God, watch, he being dead yet speaks. And so this verse, uh, when combined with the short story of Abel's life in Genesis 4, teaches us that you and I, in order, if we're going to live by faith today, if we're going to have faith for today, then we must be people who actually, watch this, we must be people who actually listen to what God says. If you're going to live by faith, because you're going to get a day off, most of you, tomorrow. Some of you are probably grumbly, angry this morning because maybe you have to work. But the reality is after Labor Day comes, you're going to hit out on that highway again. And you're going to go back into the workplace. You're going to get wound up with kids going to school. And the kids who have not started school will be starting school on Tuesday. And everything's going to go crazy. And listen, if we're not listening to God, if we start listening to the world, if we start listening to someone other than our Lord and Savior, we're going to have problems. You cannot live a life of faith unless you listen to what God says. With that being said, turn with me back to Genesis 4. Now, you can keep a finger at Hebrews 11, but turn back with me to Genesis 4. And as you're turning, remember, this is the brief story. We're not going to cover it all. But this brief story actually highlights two brothers. They had the same parents. Watch this. Hey, parents, you ever have two kids that are so much different than one another? No, no, they're all just alike, aren't they? No, no, they're all different. Watch, these two brothers, they had the same parents. They grew up, pay attention, they grew up in the same believing home. They got the same parents, grew up in the same believing home. They're brought up in the same way. <laughs> this is crazy, right? But isn't it kind of ironic? It's an illustration of how different our kids are. They're brought up in the same way. They come to the same place of worship with their family. And uh, I got news for you. This family, they worshiped the same God. So they got the same parents, same home, same, same rearing, same everything. And they come to the same place of worship. And look at verse number 2. It tells us in verse number 2 that Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse number 3 and 4 point out that both of these young men, they actually bring offerings to God or sacrifices. And it says that Cain actually brought uh, of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Now that, when it says, and of the fat thereof, it's talking about the very best. And so here's what Abel does. Abel gets the very best of his flock Right? And he brings this. He's an animal sacrifice. He's going to sacrifice it to the Lord. He brings the very best of his flock. But this verse tells us that Cain, he just brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Watch that. An offering unto the Lord. So we have two brothers. They believe in the same God. They come to worship. And both of them bring an offering. Look at verse 4 and 5. Because it continues by telling us, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. In other words, the Lord accepted or he, in other words, he looked upon Abel's sacrifice with satisfaction. He accepts it. And then notice verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. Short version, he didn't accept it. 
He didn't look upon it with satisfaction. So the quick question is how do these brothers know that God accepted one gift and yet he didn't accept another? Right? How do they know? How do they know in the moment, real time, as if you and I brought an offering to the Lord today, how would we know in real time that God accepted one and he rejects the others? You and I are reading it as after the fact that God has revealed it to Moses. Moses has written it down. He's, he's revealed it to us. And so we're reading it after the fact. But in the moment, we cannot definitively say, now some say, well, maybe God spoke audibly. I believe that fire fell from heaven. I believe that fire fell from heaven in such a way that it burned up Abel's sacrifice. And you say, where do you get that? Well, there's a number of Old Testament prophes, uh, passages that speak about when God accepted an offering, he would send fire from heaven. And so I can't definitively say, but the reality is they knew in the moment whether God accepted or not. So whether God audibly spoke or whether he sent fire from heaven, he accepts one brother's gift and he doesn't the other. So they know. In fact, let me point you to a couple of passages that would kind of support my thought. In Leviticus 9 and 24, it reveals how the Lord accepted Aaron's offering, saying, And there came fire. It came fire from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering of the fat, which when all the people saw it, notice, they shouted and they fell on their faces. And you know the same thing happened when Elijah confronts the, the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. He, he has this whole, his whole thing, you guys make an offering to your quote-unquote gods and we'll see what they do and then I'll go after you and I'll make an offering to God. Here's what it says in verse 38 and 39. The Bible tells us, then the fire of the Lord fell, watch this, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, but it didn't stop there. It consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. In other words, God really accepted that sacrifice. I mean, the wood burned up, the stones. Have you ever seen rocks burn up? You're right. I got one smart young man up here. No, he has never seen it. They saw it on that day. You see, God accepted that sacrifice on that day. Now, if that was the case back in Genesis chapter 4, which I believe it was, and the reason I believe it was, it seems to be really the only plausible explanation when I confer with other passages of Scripture, I can only imagine the scene. Close, in your, close your eye, your mind's eye for just a second. Can you imagine the scene? The family, the first family, so to speak, Adam and Eve, Cain, Abel, and I know the question, were there other kids? We don't know. But the reality is they all come to worship. They come to worship at this time, and I'm guessing they had assembled an altar as was uh, seen throughout the Old Testament, a pile of stones. And can you imagine that here comes Abel, and he brings the fat thereof, the firstlings of his flock, and he lays this sacrificial animal on the stones. And God responds. He prays. He, he lays it on the stones. He prays. He confesses his sin. And God responds. And then, on the other hand, Cain, he lays some vegetables. He lays some herbs and some seeds, flax seeds and whatnot. And he puts it on the altar. But in reality, you have to understand what Scripture is saying is that, that Cain actually is bringing the leftovers He's not coming in faith. He's bringing what's left over to God in this moment. There's no sense of dependence. There's no sense of trust or real adoration. And his sacrifice and prayer then, they're not offered. They're not offered with a repentant heart in faith. They're just literally going through the motions. And he goes through the motions and notice that God does not respond. But notice back in Genesis 4. Look at the last part of verse number 5. Because the last part of verse number 5 says that Cain was very wroth. That's an old school word that simply means he got angry. Cain is angry, notice, and his countenance fell. You see, he realizes what has happened 
and the more he realizes that God has accepted his brother's gift, but he has not accepted his gift, he gets angry, and, and what happens is his anger on the inside bubbles out so that not only is he angry on the inside, he becomes visibly angry on the outside. Have you ever seen that in somebody's life? Have you ever seen it in your own life? You get angry and you try to keep a lid on that puppy. Anybody ever, how do y'all deal with anger? That's a good lesson. How do you, you know, some people deal with anger, they try and put it in like a pressure cooker. And they set it over on the side of the stove on low and they let it simmer. But you know, I've always used the pressure cooker uh, illustration. After a while, you know what's going to happen? You know that little thing on top? It's going to start rattling. You ever, y'all have not ever used a pressure cooker. What in the world is coming with our country? How many people in this place, sidebar, time out, how many people have ever used a pressure cooker in this place? Then don't look at me like a calf, like looking at a new gate. Y'all people know what I'm talking about. And don't ever try and put it under the water too quick. That thing will blow right up and bust a hole in your ceiling. Then you're going to need a crew to come fix your drywall. Listen. Anger is a devastating thing. And listen, the reality is Cain's anger is on the inside, but then soon it bubbles over and comes out on the outside. And in a nutshell, this is what takes place. Cain, because of his anger, he kills his brother. But what does that mean or say to you and I today? Because this is not a message on anger. We actually covered that in May during our family series. This is a different lesson that we can learn from the passage. And so what's the lesson we learn? I told you that faith has to listen to God. If you're going to have faith, you must be a person who listens to God. And not only listens, but actually listens with an ear to hear and makes application of what God says. And so for the answer, we have to look back at our text. Look back in Hebrews chapter. Chapter 11, look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 4. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Notice in verse number 4, God commends Abel, not Cain, because of his sacrifice which he offered. Watch this. Because of his sacrifice that he offers in faith. Now keep looking because number, verse number four does not say that Abel had a more excellent faith. That's what a lot of people walk away. They say, well, he had a more excellent faith. Listen, God is not saying that Abel has a more excellent faith. Notice, he's saying that by faith he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. So it wasn't that he had a more excellent faith. It was that he actually exercised faith. And by faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice than his brother. And as a result, verse number four, look at the last part there. It tells us that Abel obtains a witness or a commendation from God. In other words, his faith, actually, his faith enables him to sacrifice the very best of his flock in repentance for his sins. In other words, he trusted God in that moment. So another question is, how does Abel know what to offer? How does Cain, how do, how do both of the brothers, they're raised in the same home, they worship the same God, they come to the same place of worship. How does Abel know, how does he know what to offer God and how to offer it? The obvious answer is that God must have at some point revealed it. He must have at some point told him, this is how you must worship and as discussed last week, faith believes what God has revealed and faith trusts what God has promised. So it stands to reason that if Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice to God, then God must have already revealed to both of the boys exactly what was expected. In other words, Abel wasn't having to guess what was involved. He knew exactly what was involved. And so he follows through. By the way, a few moments ago, I actually shared with you uh, the, a quick couple of verses from that time when the fire fell from the Lord and it consumed the sacrifice of Elijah when he was confronting the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. But what I didn't share with you is how was it, now think about this, yeah, we know Elijah was God's prophet, but how was it that Elijah had so much faith and so much confidence 
that God would do what he did on that day. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, hey, he goes out and he stands there and he confronts the prophets of Baal and, and they're going to have this big showdown, this showdown of which God is going to show up, right? How does he have so much faith and confidence? Well, for the answer, I just want you to look at one verse. And that's 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 36. And it gives us a key to what's going on here with Abel. Notice it says, And it came to pass. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known, watch what he says, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. And I, here it is, and I have done all these things. How did he do it? He said, because I did it at your word. You see, you revealed to me. You told me what was right. You told me how to sacrifice. You told me how to do what I am doing right now. And so, Lord, I'm just reminding you that I have done all of these things. This wasn't a show. This wasn't about Elijah being elevated to some position of superiority. This is about you, Lord God. This is about you having honor in all the world. And I've done all of these things at your word. Oh, he listened to what God had said to him. He believed what God had said and he responded to what God had said. And this is exactly what Abel had done. He had listened to what God had revealed. He believed what God had revealed and he trusted what God had promised. No doubt to his mom and dad before him in this regard. The British theologian and pastor by the name of John Brown from the early 1800s obviously agrees in his exposition of Hebrews here's what he writes he writes faith throughout the whole of Hebrews chapter 11 is the belief of a divine revelation it is plain then that a revelation had been made both to Cain and Abel respecting the duty of offering sacrifice and the acceptable method of performing that duty now his thoughts may be consistent with what I've said thus far but guess what I, you know what, I don't care what John Brown says, and you know what, to be honest, I'm not really sure you care about what Greg Corcoran says. I care what, the, what does God say, right? So the question is, that might be consistent with what I've told you, but how do we know? Can we know for sure that they knew exactly what to do on that day? And I believe the answer is affirmative yes and yes. And for that answer, we have to go back to Genesis, you see, because on the day in which Adam and Eve had sinned after God pronounces his judgment on Adam and Eve and the serpent, that slimy devil, God does something for Adam and Eve that they could never do for themselves. And it's a foreshadowing of what he did for you and I that you and I could never do for ourselves. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 21, you guys can show it. The Bible tells us that the Lord God made coats of skin. He made coats of skin for Adam and Eve and he clothed them. Now, I've debated this before with people, but the reality is no matter how much we debate the way in which God may have done this, the reality is that a coat of skins comes from the death of an animal. A coat of skins comes from the death of an animal. That's consistent all down through history. We just don't, we didn't have a Joanne Fabrics where we could fabricate a false uh, coat of skins. It comes from the death of an animal. So in this moment, God was actually revealing to Adam and Eve that a sacrifice had to be made, watch this, to atone, to compensate, i.e., or to cover their sin. And on that day, humanity's sin resulted in humanity's spiritual death. But God who is rich in mercy, as Ephesians 2, 4 testifies, and the God who is full of grace and truth, as John 1, 14 tells us, He intervened. He intervened on behalf of Adam and Eve in that moment when they sinned, showing them that an atoning sacrifice was needed, and He also showed them what it would look like. This is one lesson, by the way, mom and dad, that I believe they would wanted to share with their kids. I don't believe they would have left this out of the manual of sharing this with their kids. And you say, well, how do you know they did this? Well, I know that they did this because that's what the whole story is about. 
why else would Cain and Abel actually come to worship if mom and dad had not shared the process of what God had revealed to them and the process that, Abra, uh, that Adam and Eve actually believed? See, they would not have passed something foreign down to their kids. For How did Cain and Abel know? We know that they knew what was to be done because the reality is God had shown mom and dad, and this is one lesson for once in a lifetime that mom and dad would have shared with their kids. And you say, how can you prove that? I can prove it because here in Genesis chapter 4, they're doing exactly as God had revealed to their parents. And so Cain and Abel would have known what God had revealed. And the Bible here is teaching us in Genesis chapter 4 and also Hebrews chapter 11 is teaching us that Abel believed the revelation. He understood that he was a sinner and he trusted in the promise and provision that God had made long ago to his parents and trusted him in that moment. Therefore, Hebrews 11:4 testifies that he, by faith, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. And the reality is that Cain did not believe it. Cain went through the motions. He understood that they worshiped this God who had blessed the fruit of the ground. He understood that the, you know, the rain fell because God allowed rain. He, he, he understood all of these things, but he doesn't come with a repentant heart. He doesn't come in faith. He just comes as if he's just coming in a show. It's like a big, big fat show for him. Like, let's just go and get this over with so I can get back to doing what I want to do. That's a lesson to be learned too. So what's our takeaway? What can we learn from this short story? Because we won't get into much more of it. What can we learn? I think there are a couple of things. And if you're a note taker, here they are very quickly. Number one, faith listens to God. Faith listens to God. Abel listened to God, listened to what he had revealed, believed God, responded to God. On the other hand, just as I just said a moment ago, Cain did not. And you can see this further play out in Genesis 4, 6. If you're not convinced yet, look at Genesis 4 and verse number 6. When the Lord says unto Cain, he says, why are you wroth? He says, why are you angry? In other words, why would God, listen, if you don't believe they knew how to worship, then why would God have turned around and said to Cain, why are you so angry? You know what's required, right? You know what the deal is. Why are you so, he says, why are you so wroth? Look at it. He says, and why is thy countenance fallen? So in mercy, this is what we have. We have God's mercy intervening right here on Cain's behalf. In mercy, God identifies the problem he instructs Cain on how to rectify the problem. And beginning in verse number 7, notice he goes on. He says, Cain, if thou doest well, if you do right, shall thou not be accepted? He says, you know, you know what I've taught. You know what I've revealed. You know the process of making a sacrifice to me. And he says, why are you so angry in this moment? What's gotten a hold of you, son? Listen, you, if you just do right, it's going to be fine. Cain would not listen. By the way, God's not a respecter of persons. So don't walk away saying, well, God must have, watch this, he must have loved Abel more than he loved Cain. No, on the very opposite, I would suggest that if you wanted to say he loved someone more, I would say he loved Cain more because he reaches out, he says, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? I, just do right, you know, you know. He's pleading with this does God have to plead with Cain to do right? He shouldn't have to. And yet in mercy, that's what he's doing. He's pleading with him. He's saying, listen, just do right. The reality is we all fall short and come short of God's glory. Isn't that right? There's a lot of mindsets that swirl about this story. And I referenced a bunch of them in the message in May, and so I don't want to go back and do that. But whether you're of the mindset that it was the way in which Cain's offering was given, the attitude in which Cain gave the offering, or as we're talking about the type of sacrifice being offered, the reality is if you look at this story, God, watch this, the creator of the universe is literally speaking to Cain, giving him, watch this, an open invitation for a redo. That's mercy. That's like, God, God, God didn't have to give him a second chance. But isn't that what our God is? He's the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and on and on. And some of us have worn that out. 
He says, hey, were you angry? I love you, and if you'll just do right, it's going to be well. You know the process. You know what I've revealed. You know what I've said. Why, watch this, why won't you listen? Faith listens to God. And in fact, look at verse 7, because it goes on. God actually warns Cain in verse 7. He says, if thou doest not well. He says, listen, do well. Won't you be accepted? But he says, but if you don't do well, if you're not going to do right, if you're not going to listen, if you're not going to remember what I've told you to do, he said these words, then sin, the very first mention of the word sin right here, sin lieth at thy door. Sadly, Cain would not listen. Even worse, at this point when God speaks to him, he doesn't even respect God enough to answer God. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible doesn't tell me Cain answers God. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, throughout the rest of the chapter, if you read the rest of this story in Genesis chapter 4, the reality is that every time God speaks, Cain has a rebuttal. Isn't that what he is? He says, hey, where's your brother? What, am I my brother's keeper? And then God starts telling him the, the, the repercussions of his decision. And then what does Cain say? That's too, you're, that's too severe, God. That's, I can't handle that. That's too much. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Instead of listening to what God has to say to us, what we do is we talk back to God. We give him a, a rebuttal of why we can't do this or why we can't do this. And it's seen right here in this story, this simple little story of Cain and Abel offering sacrifices to God. In fact, it's been said that Cain has been referred to as the father of those who claim to have faith but do not believe what God has revealed. Likewise, we all run into him on occasion. There are people who like to talk about God. There are people who even will talk to you about faith, but if you ever try to share scripture with them, they batten down the hatches. They'll endure your Christian t-shirt or your Christian cap or your Christian bumper stack sticker, but if you start sharing the word of God with them, some people are like, no, I don't need to hear that. They don't want to listen. We have to be careful because if we're going to be men and women and young people of faith, then we have to... We have to be listening to God because faith is framed, it's formed, it's fed by his word. And God tells Cain, he says, hey, listen up, man. If you're not going to listen up, I'm just going to tell you sin is lying at your door. So I ask the question, are you listening? Are you listening today? Praise the Lord, I got one. <laughs> I'm just going to have him come up here and sit beside me. Do you know how to play the organ? He's like, what? Never mind. <laughs> like, I have you come up here and sit. When I, when I say something right, you just hit the organ keys. Right? Yeah. Are we listening to what God has revealed and promised? Here's another one. Do we understand that God has provided the atoning sacrifice and he did it once for all through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord? Do you realize that if you're in Christ... As Romans 8.1 says that if you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to you. There's no more condemnation if you're in Christ. In other words, you and I, the only way that you and I can be made righteous, just like Abel, is through faith. Oh, listen, Abel's life reminds us that faith listens. And then lastly, faith will not be silenced. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, the verse says it all. It says, it says, and by it, speaking of his faith, he being dead, yet in 2023, on September the 3rd, in 2023, yet he speaketh. His faith is still speaking to us today, Genesis 4, 5, but unto Cain and to his offering, God had not respect, and as a result, Cain gets angry. He's angry with God, but you know the story, he chooses to take out his anger on his brother, uh, and, and the reason he takes out his anger on his brother is because his brother exercised faith. His brother exercised faith, believing what God had revealed and trusting what God had promised, and you know what? It gets Cain angry. And he responds. In Genesis 4, in verse number 8, the Bible tells us that Cain, <laughs> after God uh, deals with he talked with his brother Abel. Oh, I, you ever want to be a, a fly on the wall? Can you imagine? 
Oh, I'm guessing he, he, tried, to, he tried to coax him out into the field. Oh, uh, l- let me talk with you a minute. I, I, I'm unsure of what's taking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's crazy is he won't listen to God. And he won't even listen to his brother. Can you not imagine that his brother would have said something to him? I mean, isn't that what we do? We smack one another on the back of the head. Hey, you numbskull. What are you doing, dummy? Right? We do that about silly things. Can you not imagine Abel would have said something to his brother before his brother kills him? In life, Abel couldn't convince his brother to listen to God, but in death, he continues to speak to all of humanity. In life, he couldn't get his brother to listen, but in death, he continues to speak to all humanity. When Cain killed his brother Abel, in a sense, he was trying, watch this, he was trying to silence his brother's voice of truth. But instead, what he did was he handed his brother a megaphone a megaphone by which his faith is forever remembered. A megaphone that not only his faith is forever remembered, but it is forever shared. Oh, the faith of these persecuted believers. If you go back to Hebrews, this, this writer of Hebrews, he's writing to persecuted believers. And, and he writes this letter to them. They were living in a time when their faith, just like Abel's in that moment, was trying to be silenced. I read for you last week that in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 32, the Bible tells us that these saints were enduring a great fight of afflictions. They were being exposed by reproaches and afflictions in verse 33. And then in verse number 34, their substance, the Bible says, was being spoiled and plundered. And and here's the reality. When the just live by faith, as Hebrews 10, 38 articulates, the voice of faith or truth will never, ever be silenced. But you and I must live by faith if you ever hope to keep that message alive. So I wrote in my notes, do you have, do you have a faith that listens? Do you have a faith that believes and trusts in God? Because Abel did. The Bible says by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. By the way, this recorded story, like every story in Scripture, they all point one direction. They all point to the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, as I write, wrap up, he tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So the reality is we sang about God's goodness and we sang about our good, good Father. The reality is our goodness, our good looks, our good works will never, ever secure our passageway to an eternity with Jesus Christ. The reality is that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said that in John 14, 6. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming from afar, remember Jesus was coming to John the Baptist in John 1, 29. Remember when John sees him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Romans 3, 25 teaches us that God set forth Jesus, his son, to be a propitiation. That's a big old word that literally means he sent him to be the atonement the compensation, the covering for your sin and my sin. It tells us that he did that in Romans 3.25. It also tells us that Jesus is that atonement or that propitiation, propitiation for my sins, but not only for my sins, but for the sins of the whole world in 1 John 2 and verse 2. A sinless life had to be laid down in sacrifice to secure our forgiveness. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Isaiah 53, 7 reminds us of a prophecy that was communicated 700 years prior to Jesus, but fulfilled in Jesus saying that he was brought as a lamb unto the slaughter. Verse 6 just prior says that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Folks, we see what was taking place back in Genesis 4 after, even as was shared in Bible study this morning, that God said, listen, you slimy serpent, one day there's coming a redeemer and he's going to crush your head. 
Oh, you might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And when Jesus came and he laid himself, they didn't lay him on the cross. He laid himself on the cross because he loves you and he loves me. And yes, guess what? He tried to get through to Cain. He said, what are you doing? You know what's expected. Just do right. Oh, my friends, the Apostle Paul. He shares in 1 Corinthians 15 and 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How did Paul receive it? He received it just like Abel did, by faith. He received it by faith. And notice what he says, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. This time, God demonstrated when Jesus the Christ died on the cross, He's buried in a borrowed tomb, he shows his approval, not with fire from heaven, but with the resurrection of his son. Oh. And because he lives, the Bible says we shall also live. Because of what Jesus accomplished. Because of the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because of what he's accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All who believe... Everyone who believes is accounted as being righteous before God. Listen, faith actually listens, believes, and trusts what God has revealed and what God has promised. And you say, well, what has God promised? I close with two passages of Scripture. Yes, Michaela, two. I close with two. What has God promised? Well, notice with me. We spout it off sometimes, but I'm not sure we ever take time to look at it. In Romans chapter 10 Beginning in verse number 9, notice what the Bible says. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But it keeps going on. Look at verse number 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Watch this. For the same Lord... Over all is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. That's a revelation from God and a promise from God. Faith listens to it, faith believes it, and faith trusts that. In 1 John, in chapter 5, I was sharing this with a couple the other day. It just reminded me so much I wanted to put it in the message. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 11, here's another promise. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And that life is in His Son. That's a revelation and a promise. Keep reading. He that hath the Son hath life. That's good. That's good. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, not that you can guess it, but that you can know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you have a faith that listens? Do you have a faith that believes? Do you have a faith that trusts? Because just like Abel, that message is still so very, very important to us today. If you want to have a faith for today, you got to have a faith that says, listen, I'm going to actually get into God's word. I'm going to read it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to open up the ears of my heart and my mind, and I'm going to listen to what God is trying to tell me today on September the 3rd, 2023. And guess what? If I'm going to have that faith to listen, if I'm going to have a faith for today, then i just not only going to listen, but I'm going to believe what God says. And I'm going to trust what he has promised. And he promised that if we have the Son, then we have life. Oh, I pray that you have the Son, because on the opposite, if you have not the Son, you have not life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the time that we've had to be in your word. And God, I just pray, I just pray right now that if there's somebody in our midst that doesn't know Jesus, that right now, even as, even as music may begin to play, even right now, that they would they would, understanding their need and hearing what you have said, that they will 
by faith that they will believe it. They will believe what you have said to them. And they will place their faith and their trust and confidence in, in the truth of your word. That they, they can have life everlasting. And the reality is, by faith, it's pretty simple. Believing what you have done. What Jesus did on the cross through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We can have life everlasting. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, would you just call out upon the name of the Lord now? Just say, Jesus, save me. I can't keep living the way I'm living. I'm, I, I turn from my sinful life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to do what you have done for others through your sacrifice. I'm asking you to forgive me and to become my Lord and my Savior. It's as simple as that. You say, I don't know all about it. You, if you said that prayer under yourself and you meant it, the very depths of your heart, would you just look at me as a testimony? I'm not going to, God bless you. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. Somebody else. You say, you meant it. God bless you. I, I would never embarrass you. Say, I meant it. I want to have a faith that listens. I have a faith that believes. God bless you. I see you back there. God bless you. I have a faith that believes and a faith that trusts in Christ. Anybody else? This is, God bless you. God bless you. This is big business. This is the Lord's business, right? God bless you. Having a faith that listens and believes and trusts God is the only decision, the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Father, I know that not only these ones who have called out upon your name, upon the name of Jesus for forgiveness today, but Lord, I also know that there are probably people here who probably would be willing to admit that they don't always listen to you. So God, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear what you have to say and the wherewithal to apply what you have to say to our life. And God will give you the glory for that. You're here. You say, Pastor, I have a hard time sometimes listening to what God says. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you look, look up here? I just want to pray for you. I have a hard time listening sometimes. I get stubborn. God bless you. God bless you. I get we all get stubborn. I get stubborn. Sometimes I don't listen to what God says, and I try to do my... God bless you. Somebody like, God bless you. Others, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Others, yes, ma'am. Yes, young lady. Yes, ma'am. I get stubborn sometimes, and I don't like to listen. Well, we all have hard of hearing. God bless you. Father, you've seen the hearts. You've seen the, the desire of these ones. God, who are, who are testifying of their, their need to listen to you more. So, God, I pray that you, through your strength, through your power, and through your spirit, God, that you will give them the wherewithal to get into your word, to listen to what you have to say today and every day. God, that you would enable them and encourage them and strengthen them to make your word a part of their life. Oh, God, that's what faith does. It listens. Lord, help us not to forget this lesson. We love you. We thank you for saving souls today. We thank you for teaching us a lesson, a simple lesson about listening to you today. God, help us to do that which brings you the most honor and the most glory in the coming days. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.